a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. Usually he is Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto and I have not been able to get together this weekend. He has been uh, busy with the family, and I have been extra busy extra busy uh, with Valdosta State football, or uh, basketball, I should say, basketball season. So we've not been able to get together, but I'm going to, uh, to try to give you a little bit of something-something for the national championship game. So Bama and Ohio State going to be taking on one another tomorrow night. Uh, the blue chip ratio for each team is off the charts. If you go to 247 Sports, you've seen that. And uh, again, that just meaning that uh, each team is well over, I believe it's 80. I think Bama's at 85 and Ohio State's at 80-something else percent uh, that their roster is a blue-chip roster. And of course, that just means talent. Talent, talent, talent. It's pretty self-explanatory. All right, so where to start with the, I guess, unpacking of a notebook? Since Rob's not here, I'm just going to sort of vomit and uh, just spill everything out. We're going to get to Rob's prediction because that ties into some of our uh, spilling out. But where uh, we'll start with what I've started with on the local radio show I do in Valdosta. And I've really harped. I spent a good... It might have been 15 minutes uh, just being obsessed. And we did it all last week, but it started on Monday with about a good 15 minutes of just being obsessed with the number five. How in the world is no one else discussing the fact that there is a difference of five ball games between the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ohio State went into the game against Clemson with a five-game difference in terms of uh, games being played. And now they're about to walk into the national championship game with that exact same, what I'm harping on, advantage. Now, some people might, might say you could probably make the argument that it is a disadvantage as well. You haven't had the opportunity to work on things and blah, blah, blah. But you're also not beat up. And that's where I sort of feel like you're not beat up. You haven't been, uh, you haven't been pounding on. You haven't the wear and tear. You haven't all those things that just go into the grind of a football season. You don't have those things wearing on you either. And if I had to take one or the other, Part of me says you would take not having the wear and tear, the ground and pound. Robbie and I graduated from Valdosta State. There are some teams from the 1990s for the VSU Blazers and some teams in the early 2000s. Dusty Bonner coached or uh, played for uh, Valdosta State in the early 2000s. There were teams then that could have went on to win the national championship, but in the Division II level, you play something like 14 or 15 games to win that national championship, and the Blazers were just beat up and couldn't do it. 
Same thing happened in uh, in the 90s for those Blazer football teams that were really good with Mike Leach and Hal Mummy uh, on the coaching staff. Those groups, again, really, really good, really, really talented, but you get a little beat up. You run into some other really good teams in the conference as well, and you're just not able to make the make the run. Now, you look at the game against Clemson and Ohio State, and you think, boy, somebody even tweeted it. I'm sure a lot of people tweeted it. Ohio State looks pretty fresh out there, don't they? Ohio State looks like they're five games fresher than uh, Clemson right now, don't they? One last thing on the five games, because we'll move off of it because I understand it's not a big point that a lot of other people are going to. I'm not sure what the reason is, but they're not going to it, and so we'll keep our time short on it. If Justin Fields has got 11 games under his belt of wear and tear, what is he, who is he, how is he, what kind of quarterback is he, the rest of the Clemson game and this game tomorrow night, Monday night, court recording on a Sunday night, who is he after that big monstrous hit that he took that was noticeably uh, plaguing him all throughout the rest of the night, wincing on the sideline and on the bike and all these different facial expressions and still threw the six touchdown passes and was incredible and awesome. If he's got 11 games of wear and tear or 10 games of wear and tear, how much, however much it is, if he's got all that on his back and that shot, does he toss six touchdown passes? Is he ready? Is he as ready for this game as he's going to be? That's that to me. That's a reasonable question. Now, a lot of other people would say, "Well, Spencer, you're just being hypothetical." Maybe so, but I still feel like that is a big piece to this puzzle that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about. Alabama is about to enter this ballgame, and so we'll segue into this and we'll sort of use it as a bridge. Alabama is walking into this ballgame with one of the best pass protection offensive lines uh, maybe in their history and probably the best in the country. But they're going to be in this ballgame without their Remington finalist at offensive line or at center, excuse me, on the offensive line. There you go. A key important piece. From the national perspective, you might think, oh, it's Alabama. They've got they've got uh they've got all those five stars. They'll just uh, plug plug somebody right in. And usually that's how it works for Alabama. That's not a far fetched thing to go thinking about. But on the offensive line at center, that's one of the last places you want to bring somebody in fresh. Or you want to just bring in the reserve. Now the way I understand it. The reserve isn't fresh, brand new, but he is still the reserve. And you don't that's a position you don't want to do that at. If it's safety, if it's linebacker, if it's running back, if it's wide receiver, that's one thing. You rotate those guys in a lot more than maybe you do at the offensive line. And that guy that's out is a pretty big deal in terms of helping Mac Jones with checks, helping the rest of the line with checks. So again, the wear and tear of an 11-game season, that guy, his name escapes me at the moment, that center for 
Alabama is out. And that's something they'll have to deal with. And so we have said it at nauseum here that if the University of Georgia was going to be Alabama earlier in the season, especially with Stetson Bennett, they were going to have to put Mac Jones on the move. They were going to have to make him uncomfortable. And that will be the case here. The um, and, and that's more than just pressure. That's more than just a little bit of a linebacker coming in right at the last second and maybe getting in his face as he throws the football. No. Mac Jones, according to the numbers, eats that up. He's Tom Brady-esque eating that up. And I don't think that's an over-exaggeration saying the, the great name of Brady. He eats that up. What you have to do for Mac Jones is you got to put him on the move. You got to try to get him throwing off target or off balance. I I mean, you have to get him moving from on, on into one side of the field and try to take away the other side of the field. So if he's running right, you you've now eliminated the left side of the field. You now can focus. You now can sort of uh, narrow his vision down into something more your to your liking. So putting him on the move is a big deal. That was a key that we talked about with uh, for for Georgia when when these two teams met. It was a a factor in the Florida game as well, or at least that was a key in that ball game. You've got to move Mac Jones. Pass protection for Alabama is way good, very good. That center being out though could create an opportunity for this this Ohio State defensive line that is playing better, that is possibly surging, that is possibly turned a corner, whatever you want to call it. This defensive line for Ohio State may have an advantage if that reserve is at best just okay for Alabama at center. If they're able to take advantage of any sort of weakness that that guy is, they then start to push the pocket from the middle. How have they always said that you wanted to stop Tom Brady? Push the pocket from in the middle. You want to stop an explosive offensive passing game, push the pocket from the middle. The edge rushers are great, but if that middle isn't being moved at all, especially if it's being moved in in favor of the offensive line. If the offensive line is pushing them back, Mac Jones can just take a little skip jump up into the pocket, away from those end rushers, and deliver the ball to Devontae Smith streaking across the field. But if you can get some edge pressure and you can get some middle pressure, maybe you start to move Mac Jones. Maybe you start to make him uncomfortable. Maybe that is a big way that you go. And that's probably the key way into slowing, not only slowing down this offense, but a potential Ohio State victory. So it's going to be that offensive line just like it was against Georgia and just like it was against FSU. You want to slow down the Heisman Trophy winner? You want to slow down the explosiveness of that passing game? then you're going to have to win up front. And that's usually the case all over the place. But I was if you go and listen to Barton and Bud, they've got a, a, a different individual on there, and I, his name escapes me. 
He's a defensive coordinator, uh, I believe, for a high school team. And he's on there with uh, with Bud talking about, uh, Bud Elliott, talking about the some of the plays that Alabama is allowed to call, can call, because of the just five-man protection that they'll put up. They're absolutely astounding at that. It's been that way for years. Those fighter jets on the outside that you get referenced to uh, a lot of times from Barton Simmons, that stuff's possible because that offensive line protects Mac Jones or whoever the quarterback has been. So pressuring Mac Jones, really pressuring Mac Jones, putting the heat on him, hopefully with just your four down linemen, maybe a fifth guy, coming in as well, but doing it up the middle, that's a real possibility this go-around tomorrow night. That's a real possibility. All right, so as we continue, we, we sort of touched on there Ohio State surging, and so we'll go into that. For me, the conversation was, is this Ohio State team turning the corner? Um, is Clemson about to meet a team that is on the rise? And that's figuring things out. Some people have said it takes about five or six games for a team to really realize who they are and what they're going to be and sort of work through the kinks. And that was Ohio State going into the Clemson game. They had played six. This was going to be their seventh game. Um, So are they going to be turning a corner? And, well, you look at that Clemson game and you think, heck, yeah, they just turned a corner. They just turned a really big corner. They're surging now. That defensive line was outstanding. Obviously, the uh, the rest of the offense was really, really good as well. Trey Sherman, uh, Sherman, Sermon has been really good these last several ball games as well. They're clicking. They're on all, all cylinders. However, if you listen to Josh Pate talk, he brings up the the counter of or the realization of turning the corner doesn't just mean one game. Being uh, you know turning yourself around, fixing issues, working out the kinks, it isn't just one game. You've got to kind of put that together for two or three games in a row for you to have really said and made a statement that hey, we're here. Now because it was Clemson because it was on the playoff, because it was the big national stage, and because it's Ohio State and how powerful and wonderful they are, you still have that comp- you, you you get that feeling that they have arrived, that this is who they are more than the struggles that they have had. So that brings us to Robbie's prediction of Bama by seventeen. I haven't had a chance to talk to Rob about that uh, about that prediction, but I feel as though. Knowing him as well as I do, I feel that centers around he doesn't believe Ohio State has really turned the corner. Now, sure, Alabama is as good as they are, and that's certainly part of it, but he also has to be believing that Ohio State isn't as good uh, as, or they have not turned the corner the way that they showed they might have against Clemson. He's probably also considering the fact that Ohio State and their COVID issues has maybe really wrecked their depth. And that will be a big uh, piece to this puzzle as well. What happens if you get into this game and you start having some people go down? 
you get a lineman that goes down. Well, who's his backup? Is his backup back in Ohio or in uh, in Columbus? With, you know, he wasn't able to make the trip or he's not able, he's just not available. So that'll be a big part of this as well. But I guarantee you that that's part of some of what uh, Rob's thinking about when he says Bama by 17. The spread is 7.5 right now. That would be my guess as to uh, as to Robbie's thinking there. All right, so we've talked about offensive line. We've talked about protection, that that's going to be a big key to this in terms of Bama moving Mac Jones. So if you spin that around, what's the protection going to be like for for Justin Fields? And maybe it's not the protection in terms of pass protection, but what's the what's the run production going to be like for not not just the offensive line but for the scheme and what Ohio State wants to do? Is Justin Fields healthy enough to be a contributor to the ground game? In a lot of the games that you go back through and you see where Bama has been beaten, it's because a quarterback was able to contribute to the run game, design run game, and or scrambles. How much is Justin Fields going to be able to help out? How much is Justin Fields going to be able to help out in terms of just taking off and ducking his head down for the extra yard to gain on a three and you know a third and five? He going to take off across the corner and he has the speed to get there, but he's about to meet a linebacker. How many times is he going to be able to lower that shoulder and? take that heat if he takes that heat early how much does that affect him for the rest of the ball game so what is Justin Fields's health like that's going to be a big question and then how much will that health status allow him to contribute to the ground game Trey Sermon is great but against Alabama you're going to need more than just one guy and the backups haven't been great uh, Master Teague, I don't believe, has been super stellar up to this point. He's been a little up and down. You're going to need Justin Fields a part of the ground game. How much uh, availability will he have on the ground uh, to help you out from that standpoint? All right, so moving forward, kind of getting more um or you know, just kind of continuing to look ahead or, or emptying the the stat sheet here. If Justin Fields is able to contribute to the ground game, uh, Josh Pate talked about stealing a a possession. I wonder if Ohio State could slow this ball game down and maybe not steal a possession on their end but just cancel out possessions for Alabama. If Justin Fields is available for the ground game, do they slow this contest down? Probably not. Because you don't want to get into a slow-down competition with Najee Harris, I wouldn't think. Also, you go back to the national championship win for Clemson, they were running 99 plays in that game. So tempo's probably going to be a bigger part of this contest than slowing things down. 
And the reason I bring up slowing things down is because Trey Sermon has been as good as he has in the last two ball games, something like well over 500 yards on the ground for him in the last two games. He's been that good. And potentially slowing things down, canceling out possessions for Alabama. You don't want to get into a track meet, or do you really want to get into a track meet with them? Maybe you don't. But at the same time, go out there and run as many plays as you can, 99 plays. You want to be efficient doing that if you're Ohio State. And maybe maybe they will. All right, so Devontae Smith and Sean Wade. We've sort of bouncing around in a bunch of different places here. But Devontae, um, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence, when they needed success last week, when they needed something, they went their number one right wide receiver, Powell, against Sean Wade. When they needed something, that's where they went to. Sean Wade is, maybe he's not an awful player, but he maybe isn't the kind of guy that Ohio State is used to having in their defensive backfield. Or maybe it's just what, they've, what they're having to ask him to do isn't his strength. Whatever it is, he has been susceptible to getting beat. And if you're susceptible to getting beat by, is it Brandon Powell? What, I, don't even, I can't even remember the guy's name. How are you going to hold up against Devontae Smith? How are you going to hold up at least against John Mechie? And then who the heck knows, is Jalen Waddle actually going to be available in this ballgame and not just as a decoy? If they've been working with him this week to get him ready, do you really think they're just going to trot him out there and let him take up space? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Nick Saban isn't just going to waste space, right? So if Jalen Waddle's available, there you go. The Billingsley guy at tight end, he's very much in the mold of uh, the Brevin Jordan at Miami and the uh, Kyle Pitts at Florida. You're just gonna you can you can attach him to the line. You can throw him out wide. Ohio State gave up a lot of a lot of yards last week. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about bend but don't break and does that work here I don't think it does I don't think you bend against Alabama and don't break a little bit so that's going to get you into some trouble I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this contest and some of that is because Devontae Smith and and uh, and, and Harris and uh, Mac Jones and those Heisman finalist guys um, and then some of it is just going to be fun to watch, you know, sort of the schemes and how each team try to attack. So speaking of schemes, jumping back to Ohio State on their side of the football, they did some pretty interesting things that caught Clemson off guard last week. So, um, and again, this is back to Barton and Bud. And I, and I reference these places because I don't want you to think, I don't want you to hear those and then think, well, I'm just taken from somebody else. So that's why we're referencing those people and those, uh, those other programs. But uh, on Barton and Bud, they talked about a, a certain kind of formations lining up the majority of your wide receivers uh, or your skill guys in the boundary. So on the short side of the football field, and they really got some matchups and they got some looks and they were able to do and run some things out of that against Clemson that the Tigers weren't ready for, that Brent Venables, of all people, 
weren't really ready for. And maybe Brent was, now that I say that out loud, maybe Brent was, he knew what the adjustments were, but they just weren't able to execute them as the Tigers on the field. They made some adjustments, I believe, uh, what is it, cover three and some softer zone type stuff. They were able to to put that stuff out there, but the the Ohio State wide receivers are, are just too good. They were just too good. So a talent deficiency uh, in the backfield, uh, defensive backfield for Clemson really, really benefited Ohio State. That talent deficiency is not going to be there. Now what is there is the scheme. It's not going to be there this weekend. What is going to be there is the scheme. Some teams have had success with uh, against Alabama with this um, you know, overload on the boundary kind of deal. Um, Gus Melzahn has had success. Uh, Ole Miss had success. All the people that you can think of that have had success against Alabama have done some of this and some version of this. So Ohio State will have a, I don't want to say a scheme advantage, but they are familiar with and have been running with success something that does give Alabama trouble. On the other end, Alabama didn't just wake up, you know, they, they didn't just, uh, they were born in the dark, but it wasn't last night or sort of thing. Uh, Alabama knows, they're well aware of, of the advantages that all this stuff presents that Ohio State has ran against Clemson. They'll watch it in that film. That's all of Nick Saban's been doing. I'm sure he's doing it right now, watching that film. Uh, he's been watching it, and the teams, again, before in the past have run it as well, so Alabama is at least familiar with what has given them trouble, and they should be able to have some answers. And, oh, by the way, they'll have the talent. The defensive backfield is far more talented at in Tuscaloosa than apparently it is in Clemson, South Carolina. So with that in mind, and some of those advantages that have gone Ohio State's way, and, and that scheme advantage, the other key part of that is going to be tight ends and safety matchups that... Notre Dame had some success with against Alabama or at least had some opportunities for success with. So the idea being if Ohio State can win and create issues with their tight ends, then safeties might have to start coming down and covering tight ends, and then you don't get to have that over-the-top coverage if you're Alabama down the field. So tight ends are going to be an interesting thing to watch in tomorrow night's national championship game or tonight's national championship game whenever you're able to listen to this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's going to be a ton of points. I think the over and under is at 75. I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams get to 100. Uh, Yes, I've Part of me believes that that could act, that could absolutely happen, especially if you get you know some special teams moments or if you get interceptions returned for touchdowns. If Justin Fields does have a quarter where he looks like he looked in the first half against against uh, Northwestern, if that kind of stuff starts to rear its head, 
then yeah, maybe we could get to that point where that many points is being scored in this ballgame. Now, Mac Jones doesn't typically make those kinds of mistakes, but maybe there's an opportunity on special teams. And and heck, maybe you're able to force uh, a mistake from, from Mac Jones with that pressure up the middle that we talked about earlier, that pressure up the middle, force Mac Jones off of his mark, make him run, make him throw on the run, make him throw off balance, Maybe you force a mistake. Sean Wade and the rest of that defensive secondary, they they heard the chatter. They know what people are saying about them. They know that this is a, sort of a, a challenge that they're being uh, presented with in a sort of unique way, challenging their manhood, if you will, challenging their competitive nature. So they're going to be ready to step up to, the, uh, uh, to that task. So again, early on, if you can get... You know, some sort of mistake, if you can capitalize on jitters on either side, Alabama or Ohio State, and you get some interceptions returned for touchdowns or interceptions, turnovers that set up short fields, maybe you do. Maybe you get some some quick touchdowns on the board, and that helps to uh, send this ball game into a, into a much bigger scoring frenzy. So who do I like? Uh, Robbie has Alabama by 17. So I like Alabama as well. And I joke with Rob sometimes, and it hurts his feelings. And I love him to death, but it hurts his feelings. Uh, sometimes we agree way too much. And we agree uh, on this note as well. that uh, I, I don't agree by 17, though. I guess I should clarify that. I like Alabama to win. I don't think it's going to be by 17. Justin Fields is a gamer. Justin Fields, the way he played after getting that hit, it was almost like something, you know, ignited. Not that he was playing poorly beforehand, but he he went into another level. He tossed a lot of those big game-changing, separating touchdowns were hit after, excuse me, were hit after, uh, you know, he got hit. So I think Justin Fields, almost on his own, is going to keep this ball game close. That's if he's healthy. So there's lots of ifs going back and forth, sort of teetering. And uh, Robbie, I think, is sort of banking on probably, again, going over this for a second time. If we didn't say it the first time, I'm sure he's banking on Justin Fields not being 100% either. We won't go through everything we went through earlier. But I bet Part of that is, too, that Justin Fields might not be completely healthy. All right, so I like Bama to win as well. Ohio State will keep it close. Justin Fields is that good. But also, you know, Bama has given up some rushing yards here and there. Bama has been presented by the teams who feature big offensive lines and the teams who feature sort of a, a ground game as a part of their identity have been able to move the football a little bit against uh, against the Crimson Tide. And so you go back through, real quick like and in a hurry here, as we're uh, on, the, on the task. This is obviously great podcasting. Okay, so here we are. Of the teams that rushed for over 100 yards against Alabama, 
Texas A&M, 30 carries, 115. Ole Miss, 57, 268 in the four touchdowns. Georgia, 30 for 145. Tennessee, 38 for 139. Auburn, 42 for 120. And then Notre Dame, 38 for 139. Outside of Ole Miss, of course, and very much early in the season, even the teams who are good at running the game uh, good at the running game, have not been able to have a ton of great success against uh, against Alabama. Teams that feature that quality offensive line that looks much like Bama or looks like Ohio State up front, looks like Clemson up front. They've got some running backs that would be nice at all of those schools as well. The difference is Georgia, Tennessee, Auburn, and the Texas A&M game, they did not have the kind of quarterback that Ohio State's going to have and one that Ole Miss had. Matt Carell was not a superstar to begin the season, but he is now because he fits that system of Lane Kiffin. So now, for the first time since the Ole Miss game, I think it's fair to say Alabama is going to be facing a system, a quarterback, an offensive line, and a running back that are all at the top of their game. That are all, you know, really in sync with one another. So I think Justin Fields is going to keep this game close. And that factor there as well. This being the most complete offense that Bama has faced since Ole Miss is going to be a part of Ohio State keeping it close as well. Florida was really, really good offensively through the air, and they were able to really make some things happen in the second half of their ballgame once they got things going. I expect the ground game for Ohio State to to help keep them and, and not make it take till the second half. I like Bama to win. I think it'll be close. I give them that respect. I'll be interested to see if Robbie's right because that, that thought process has certainly entered my mind as well. Could this potentially be some sort of a blowout because... You know, the team against Northwestern or the team against the first half against Northwestern or the team in the second half against Indiana. You know, does, is it possible that that Ohio State team shows up for way too long in this ballgame for a quarter or two in this ballgame? It's a real possibility, too. Okay. Bama or uh, Robbie likes Bama by 17. I'll take Bama by 7. And uh, Ohio State will cover uh, as Bama's favored by seven and a half. So I'll take Bama to, uh, to for Ohio State to cover, but barely. And there you have it. He's Robbie for Robbie. Uh, I'm Spencer. We appreciate you making uh, us a part of your day here. Uh, with, you know, with your podcasting. So we uh, we apologize for getting it out so late, but we appreciate you listening. Either way, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.